Turn in your Bible to the book of Revelation. The book of Revelation. There's a time coming in the future called the judgment seat of Christ. And it won't matter too much about what we think of each other. It's going to all matter about what he thinks of us and what he knows we really did. But in the book of Revelation in chapter 4, we covered last week about the scene in heaven when John was caught up. Immediately he was in the presence of the Lord and he saw the rainbow and he saw the person sitting on the throne and saw the four living creatures and 24 elders. I believe that this is the next thing in line. It's what's going to happen when we get to heaven. And then it talks about some of the things that's going to happen there, what he saw and what some of them did. And um, if you'll notice that in verse 9, he says, And when those living creatures, the beasts, give glory and honor and thanks to him that sat on the throne, who liveth forever and ever, the four and twenty elders fall down before him that sat on the throne and worshiped him that liveth forever and ever and cast their crowns before the throne, saying, Thou art worthy, O Lord, to receive glory and honor and power, for thou hast created all things, and for thy pleasure they are and were created. So this is what they're going to say and what they're going to do, and John saw this when he was caught up into heaven, which I believe one day, if the Lord comes back soon, uh, whilst we're still alive, we're going to be changed in a moment, the twinkling of an eye, and we'll be caught up to meet the Lord in the air. And we're going to go to the judgment seat of Christ, and we're going to see what they saw. And it seems like it's almost impossible to put it into print, the glory of the Lord. There's never been somebody's description of the person sitting on the throne except by saying bright light, the glory, and so forth, you know rainbow, like a sardis stone or jasper and so forth. But no, no description, you know, what they actually saw there. Or maybe they didn't see it. I don't know. But I sure would like to know. And I'd like to say, I have an inquiring mind. But the part that I like is where he says, and the elders, the 24 elders, cast down their crowns. Now, this, this little old lady, well, she uh, had a dream one night. And um, she dreamed that she went to heaven. And when she got to heaven, she got her crown. But everybody was walking around and everybody stared at her. So she says, well, why, why is everybody staring at me? She says, because there's no stars in your crown. She thought, there's no stars in my crown? What are the stars for? She says, the stars in your crown is because you were a soul winner. And she says, oh, my goodness. Everybody's got stars in their crown but mine. And she pleaded to let her go back to the earth and be a soul winner. And said, I'm sorry. Once you're here, you can't ever leave. And then she woke up and became a soul winner. Now, I don't know what it would take for you or for me to realize the importance of But I want you to hold your place right here and turn over there to the book of Daniel in chapter 12. The book of Daniel in the Old Testament, 
and chapter 12. Right after the book of you know, Jeremiah and Ezekiel, and uh, of course a little lamentation stuck in there, but don't worry about that. And go over there to the book of Daniel in chapter 12, and look in verse 1. This is in the Old Testament, but it's um, pretty good. It's written about 2,500 years ago. And look what God said to his servant. And in verse 1, it says, And at that time shall Michael stand up, the great prince which standeth for the children of thy people, Israel. For they shall be, there shall be a time of trouble. Now this time of trouble, that's the tribulation period such as never was since there was a nation even to that same time. At that time, thy people shall be delivered, which is at the end of the tribulation period. Everyone that shall be found written in the book. In verse 2, And many of them that sleep in the dust of the earth, that's the bodies that are in the graves, shall awake, some to everlasting life, some to shame and everlasting contempt. And get this, they that be wise shall shine as the brightness of the firmament, and they that turn many to righteousness as the stars forever and ever. Now, we don't really know what a starless crown would look like or a crown with stars would look like. I don't know if there's stars in the crown, but I know that God talks about the soul winner, the soul winner's crown. And that there's something more to it than what we can see and understand, but it must be worth it because the day is coming that we're going to wish we had done as much as we possibly can. Now go back to the book of Revelation. And whether or not this is symbolic of what all of us will do, if we have any rewards at all, or any crowns, and whether or not... Uh, the crowns is the reward. Well, there's a lot more to it than what we know. But we do know this, that these four and twenty elders, which I believe represent the period of the church age, because we're at the judgment seat of Christ here, I, I believe. Well, then they're representatives of the church, and the book of Revelation is written to the church. So these are things that you and I are supposed to, to heed, to take heart. And did they... All, or is it something that all of us do, is cast our crowns before the Lord? If it is, wouldn't it be a shame to be at the judgment seat of Christ and everybody has something to place at his feet, except you, because you didn't serve him, because you didn't have any rewards. Now, Revelation chapter 19 talks about the righteous acts of the saints that will be dressed in the righteous acts of the saints, that kind of gives the appearance that we, whatever we're going to wear, whether it's the robe or the shoes or the crown on our head or star, whatever it is, it's a result of the righteous acts of the saints because of what we've done for the Lord. Now, no one can make us serve the Lord. Nobody can make us love God. But he does say that he is going to reward us when we get to heaven, for the service that we have rendered on behalf of Christ, for the cause of Christ. Uh, let me just show you something else real quick. Look there in Revelation chapter 1. Revelation chapter 1. And you'll notice he says that these are some things that he wants to show his servants. 
which is to take place in a short period of time. Look in verse 1. The revelation of Jesus Christ, which God gave to him to show unto his servants things which must shortly come to pass. Now, it seems like it's only been 2,000 years. But in God's eyes, it's just a short period of time. But look what else he says here in verse 2. Who bear record of the word of God and of the testimony of Jesus Christ and of all things that he saw. Blessed is he that readeth and they that hear the word of this prophecy and keep or guard those things which are written therein for the time is at hand. So the book is actually written, it seems like, to the, the churches. It's, it's written to us. And therefore, we're supposed to read this and study it. And something in this book is supposed to challenge and motivate us to serve the Lord and see the importance of it. So he says, blessed are those that, that read, that hear, that guard the things that are written in this book. Now, take your Bible and turn all the way over there to the book of Revelation and chapter 21. You'll notice that he's talking about after the great white throne judgment. And it says in verse 1 of chapter 21, And I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth were passed away, and, I, and, and there was no more sea. And I, John, saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And then he makes the statement there in verse 9. And there came unto me one of the seven angels, which had the seven vials full of the seven last plagues, and talked with me, saying, Come hither. I will show thee the bride, the lamb's wife. I'm going to show you the bride, the lamb's wife. Well, who in the world is that? That's us. We are the bride of Christ. And we are going to be married to the Lord, and we're his wife. But look in verse 10. He carried me away in the spirit to a great and a high mountain, showed me that great city, the holy Jerusalem, descending out of heaven from God. He says, now, come here and I'll show you the bride, the Lamb's wife. And so he showed them the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down from God out of heaven. That's where the bride is going to live. Upon the earth, the kingdom upon the earth, well, God promised that to the nation of Israel. So when Christ comes, he comes as the king of Israel, but he's the head of the church. He's not referred to generally as a, the king of the church, or it's not the head of Israel. He is the king of Israel. He's the head of the church. They're two different things. The church is made up of the people from Pentecost to the rapture. So one of these days, we're going to be all taken out of here, and we go to the judgment seat of Christ, He's going to reward us, means he's going to dress us. Look there in chapter 19. Look in verse 7. Revelation chapter 19, look in verse 7. Let us be glad and rejoice and give honor to him, for the marriage of the Lamb is come, and his wife hath made herself ready. We just came from the judgment seat of Christ. We have been dressed in the righteousness of, Yes, of Christ is what got us there. But what we're wearing is a result of what we did for him. Look what he says. His wife has made herself ready. And to her was granted that she should be arrayed in fine linen, 
clean and white, for the fine linen is the righteousness of saints. See, there is the righteousness of Christ, the righteousness of God, that when you trust Christ as your Savior, He gives you His righteousness, His perfection. That's what gets us to heaven. But that's not what it's talking about here. It's talking about the righteousness of the saints. So there's going to be a rewarding stand. For example, 50 years ago, a little old 18-year-old boy heard the gospel for the first time. Me. My daddy was a bootlegger, spent half his life in the chain gang, running from the law. I never saw my mom and dad in a church, never saw them read a Bible, never saw them have prayer. And I wasn't sure about whether I was going to go to heaven or go to hell. Until one day I met a man named Raymond Jackson. And he talked to me. He explained it to me. And that was the beginning of the greatest thing that's ever happened to me in my life. Because that night, when I was 18 years old, I trusted Christ as my Savior. That moment that I trusted Christ as my Savior, God saved me from hell. It means that I can't go to hell. I can never go to hell. Couldn't then, can't now. He gave me eternal life. I became his child. He became my father. He indwelt me by the Holy Spirit. And um, little by little, my love for the Lord began to grow. And I began to learn a little bit of Bible here and a little bit of Bible there. And I was told that I should witness and talk to people about the Lord. Only reason I ever wanted to, wanted to go to Bible college with a wife and two kids is because I wanted to know how to tell people how to make the gospel clear, how to, how to go to heaven when they die. I just didn't want people to go to hell. I never planned on being a preacher, evangelist, nothing. I just wanted to learn the Bible. I didn't know all that other stuff. I wasn't that in love with church. It never was. But as I began to learn the Word of God and grow a little bit, I saw the importance of it. And I knew I could not know the will of God unless I knew the Word of God. So it is the will of God to know the Word of God so you can know the will of God. So that's why you study the Bible. And as I began to study the Bible, I wanted to do whatever God wanted me to do. I didn't care what it was, where it was, how. I didn't care. Nothing mattered. Whatever it was. Open up whatever doors, close whatever doors, do it, anything you want to do. I am all yours. <laughs> whatever I'm worth, you got it. And I have been blessed enough to see that God honors his word. I want to be able to stand here after 50 years and tell you, look, it's true. God keeps his promises. Just serve him. Put him first. Don't try to figure everything out. You never will. Don't figure out how God's going to do something. I don't know how God's going to do anything. I don't have no clue today what he's going to do tomorrow, no more than I did 50 years ago. I don't know what's coming down the road. I don't care what's coming down the road. I just know that whatever's coming down the road, I know he's going with me. I know that the one that I walk with knows what's coming tomorrow. And I don't have to worry about it. And that I believe that it is worth to serve the Lord and God is going to reward you. Now, I want you to see this. Uh, look there in chapter 22. Chapter 22. Now, we know that we're going to live in this holy city, but uh, just look up there in chapter 21, first of all. Chapter 21, verse 27. And there shall in no wise enter into it, this holy city, anything that defileth. Neither whatsoever worketh abomination or maketh a lie. Not even a lie. In other words, it can be no sin in this place. 
No sin. It means that for you and I to go there to this place, God's going to have to change us. Well, he gave me my new birth 50 years ago. Well, what's he going to change? He's going to do away with the old one. If he did away with my old birth, my old nature, all that's left is perfection. You ever want to see somebody that's perfect? Look up here at me. You say, you're not perfect. Oh, yeah, yeah, but you, you, you can't see the real me. You see this old flesh I got. Now, if you could see beyond this flesh, inside of this flesh is a 17-year-old teenager struggling to get out. Now, inside of it, there's a person in here, my new birth, that when I trusted Christ as my Savior, this one is going to die. The worms can have this old body. I'll be through with it. Won't need it anymore. Not today, though. Not, not right now. I want to wait to the rapture. I just go up without dying. But what I wanted you to see was this. He says down here in chapter 22, look in verse 7. Now, it's kind of like he's told this whole story. All this stuff that's going on up there, down here, the thousand-year reign, the great white throne judgment, the holy city, and like a conclusion to the book. Because in the last part of verse 6, he makes the statement. Look in verse 6. And he said unto me, These sayings are faithful and true. And the Lord God of the holy prophets sent his angel to show unto his servants the things which must shortly be done. Now, this is at the end of the book. But he's kind of like wrapping it all up and says, Now, these are things that must shortly be done. 2,000 years ago. And then get what he said. Look here in verse 7. Behold, and you ought to underline this, I come quickly. You'd be surprised how quickly this thing's going to happen. How quickly our lives are going to be over. But after everything that it said, and all the things that are going to happen to the, the seven churches, and then the seven-year tribulation period, and the thousand-year reign upon the earth, and the great white throne judgment, and the Holy City coming down. He said, now, come on back here to reality. He said, this is where we are. He says, behold, I come quickly. I'm coming. And when I come, I'm coming quickly. But look what else he says. See the last part of verse 7? This is similar to what we read in verse 3 of chapter 1. Blessed is he that keepeth the sayings of the prophecy of this book. Now, it's written to believers. It's written to the church. It's written to you and me. And so he says, now I want you to read it. I want you to believe it. And I want you to guard it and let it challenge and motivate you. This is for real. This, this is for real. This shows us the end of the book and we win. We win. And because of this, it will be worth whatever it is he calls upon us to do. And some things may might get rough. It might even require you to die. But be faithful regardless. Now look what he says. In verse 8 he said, And I, John, saw these things and heard them. Now remember he said, Write the things which thou hast seen. And that's chapter 1. The things which are, chapter 2 and chapter 3. And the things which shall be hereafter. Alright, now he didn't roll all of that. So he's kind of like wrapping it all up and he says, I fell down to worship before the feet of the angel which showed me these things. 
And then saith he unto me, See thou doeth it not, for I am thy fellow servant, and of the brethren the prophets, and of them which keep the sayings of this book. Now, you ought to underline it, which keep the sayings of this book. This word keep is to guard, to defend, to really believe it, because it has to be inside of you. Not that I got me a Bible and I, boy, I'm guarding my Bible and I'm protecting my Bible and I, I'm guarding it. That ain't what he's talking about. It's believing it. Having it inside of you. Where it challenges and motivates you because you know it's true. And then look what he says. He says in verse 10, And he said unto me, Seal not the sayings of the prophecy of this book for the time is at hand. Now when you read the book of Daniel, told Daniel, he says, Seal up this book until the time of the end. So when this book was written, this is the knowledge they were waiting for. This is the book that unlocks the book of Daniel. So because of the book of Revelation, we can understand the book of Daniel. And the more we read it, the more we can understand. And yet there's still parts of it that I don't know if I'll ever understand. There are parts in the book of Revelation I don't know if I'll ever get it all. Seems like there's a lot of pieces of the puzzle but I can't make it fit yet. And I want to. I like to understand everything there is to understand. But I want to know so bad. And I don't know if you've ever done that or not. Where you want to know something so bad and you don't understand why God doesn't reveal it to you. Maybe he says it's, it's not ready yet. Maybe there's some truth that if we knew it, we wouldn't know how to handle it. What would I do? I mean, if God was to call me tonight on my cell phone and says, Yankee, I'm coming. This Sunday at 12 o'clock. I said, no, wait a minute, Lord. We, we got dinner on the ground. We want to have dinner first. Can you come as soon as we get through? We make it 1 o'clock. Now, if I knew it for sure, what would I do? What would I do? Would I have the courage, the boldness to announce it in church on Sunday morning at 1030? Hey, it's today at 1 o'clock. I think, well, now, Lord, I need a sign. How do I know you're going to keep your word? I don't know if for real. I don't know why I didn't have too many onions on my hamburger. Maybe I didn't sleep good last night. How do I know that what you just told me was really you? I never met you before. And I never had a phone call from you before. I'm going to check the ID. Heaven. Hmm. Now, he says, the day's coming. Behold, I come quickly. And I believe he will. And so he says that um, when he does come, it's all over. If you're saved, you're saved. If you're, you're just, if you're unjust, you're, as the tree falls, so shall it lie. Look what he says in verse 11. He that is unjust, let him be unjust still. He that is filthy, let him be filthy still. He that is righteous, let him be righteous still. He that is holy, let him be holy still. In other words, the day will come when it's all she wrote. And however you are, at that moment when you die... That's, that's it. No other chances. If you don't trust Christ as your Savior and you die that way, it's forever that way. It'll never be changed. You die lost, you're lost. You die saved, you're saved. So when should you make the decision? Should you wait till you die to find out? I don't think so. That's why it behooves every man. Make sure you trust that Christ as your Savior. Because when it's over, it's over. There ain't no more chances. But look what he says. Verse 12. He says, and behold, and you ought to underline these three words. I come 
quickly. But not just that he comes quickly. Look what else he says. And my what? Reward is with me. To give every man according as his work shall be. Rewards, remember, are earned. Salvation, that's free. You see, Christ came into the world and did a work. He lived a perfect life. Why? Because I couldn't. Well, what was the value of that? Because he didn't sin. It means that he wasn't condemned. It means that he could die for somebody else. But if he had sinned, he'd have to pay for his own sin. Well, if he had to pay for his own sin, he couldn't pay for mine. So he was able to win that battle. And he had victory. And he went to the cross and paid for the sins of the whole world, came back from the dead, and all we have to do is accept what he did for us. Salvation, being saved from hell, that's a gift. That's free. You don't earn it, don't work for it. It's a gift. But we're not talking about salvation. We're talking about service. When you decide, I'm going to serve the Lord, do what God wants me to do with my life. Now, nobody can make you do it. But if you do, God says, I want you to know I'm going to reward you. And when I reward you, these rewards are forever. The rewards are forever. And I'm coming quickly with my rewards to give to every man according to his works. But hold your place right here. Look all the way over there in the book of 1 Corinthians chapter 3. 1 Corinthians and chapter 3. Once you have trusted Christ as your Savior, you are his child. You are on the foundation, which is Christ. Look up there in verse 11. For other foundation can no man lay than that is laid, which is Christ Jesus. So you're on the foundation. But understand, there's something about your labor that God is going to reward. So you should see there in verse 8. In verse 8 says, Now he that planteth and he that watereth are one. And you ought to underline this because this is what he said over there in the uh, book of Revelation. Every man shall receive his own reward according to his own labor. Isn't that what we just read over there in the book of Revelation? Yes. He's going to come quickly, and one of these days, boom, it's all over. All your chances are gone. You won't get no more. Now is the time to do what you're going to do for the Lord. You can be as bold as you want or as cowardly as you want. You can be shy or timid, but when you get there, nobody cares. Don't let the way you are keep you from being obedient to the Lord. You can use it as an excuse if you want. I'm afraid, scared, whatever the reasons are. Do you want there to be stars in your crown? Not just that you have a crown, but do you want some stars? I don't know what all it's going to be, but whatever it is, it must be something. It must be worth it all. 